Good evening, everyone. So a kind of quick recap, really. Um, two introductory premises that lead into the flow, the thread that I believe God's given us for refreshing for 2023. And those two premises, which I'm sure you can remember from the last time, are number one, there is untold, untapped, unlimited treasure to be found in the presence of God. I don't know about you, I've enjoyed very much that time of worship. That was the warm-up. We are not yet done. It's untold, untapped, unlimited treasure to be found in his presence, which means for me that worship time becomes like a treasure hunt. And the second premise is that to, to become who we need to be or, or to do what we know that we need to do, we are going to need encounters in the presence of God. You know, church needs to be so much more than just a social event. It needs to be so much more than just an act of religious appeasement or a nice sing-along. We need encounters with the spirit of the living God. Which leads to two questions, really. What exactly is that treasure? And how can we facilitate those encounters. As I showed you last time and the time before, nine headings for nine refreshings in 2023. Uh, these represent nine pieces of treasure to be found in his presence. They represent nine items of business that the Holy Spirit wants to do, longs to do, needs to do in our hearts. The plan today as before is to spend about 20 minutes or so on the third one on that list. We're up to number three. And then we'll have a time of worship and response, depending on where the Lord takes us. Which means today we're, we're talking about, about the place of refining. Isn't that exciting? Yeah, you know what that means, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised you haven't all run out the door. No, I jest. Put this into the Isaiah 6 context that we've could hung all this on. And Isaiah chapter 6, he has a vision of God in his temple. And in that scene, we see the angels crying, holy, holy, holy. And when Isaiah sees the glory and the holiness of God, all he can say is, woe is me. Isaiah 6 verse 5, woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. As we said last time, when, when you see God as he is, the inevitable consequence is that you begin to see yourself as you really are. And Isaiah here, he sees his own sin, sins of his own people, he sees his own heart and the heart of that nation. He, he sees his uncleanness and the uncleanness of the whole nation, and he is undone. But the good news is, that is not the end of the story. Because Isaiah then has an encounter with the refiner's fire. 
Verse 6, Then one of the seraphs, an angel, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with, to with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. I suspect you're all familiar with the, with the idea, the concept of the refiner's fire. The idea that, that the impure needs to be purified and the imperfect needs to be perfected and the rough needs to be smooth and the unholy needs to be made holy. The good news, the God is very, very, very good at that. So what is refining? I suspect we are all experiencing it, whether we realize it or not. But what does it mean to be refined? How does God do it? And what is the expected end result? I'll share with you quickly two well-known biblical images. The first one is the image of the potter and the clay. Isaiah 64, verse 8. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Really simple picture of the Lord at work. Now, I wish we had time to go through the whole of this chapter, Isaiah 64, because it's amazing. Stars, verse 1. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. How the mountains would quake in your presence. As fire causes water, wood to burn and water to boil, your coming would make the nations tremble. Yes and amen to that. Rend the heavens, Lord, and come down. And then it goes down, verse 6, to say, we are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Picture here of unregenerate man, dressed not in a robe of righteousness, but in filthy rags of his own self-righteousness, his own unrighteousness. Goes on, verse 7, Yet no one calls on your name or pleads with you for mercy. Therefore, you have turned away from us and turned us over to our sins. And then we have verse 8 that I read just now. And yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed, worked, fashioned, recreated by your hand. Starts off verse 8 with the words, and yet. Aren't you grateful for grace? Don't you love the gospel? So glad that in spite of our sin, in spite of our rebellion and our rejection, God is still our Father. And because of his unfailing, unrelenting, perfect love, rather than toss us aside, he chooses to refine us. We are the clay, and he is the potter, and we are the work of his hands. Now, when, when a potter works a piece of clay on a wheel, he has, she has, in their mind, an end product, a, a designer's 
blueprint, if you like. And so what does, what does God the Father have in mind when he looks down at you on his potter's wheel? And the answer, of course, is Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I love what uh, Max Lucado says. He says, God loves you just the way you are. Hey. Praise the Lord. God loves you just the way you are, but too much to leave you that way. He wants to give you a new heart. He wants to make you just like Jesus. So here's, here's what that looks like. Each one of us right now has been strategically, deliberately, intentionally placed right in the center of his shaping and molding and crafting potter's wheel. And through various means, he is, he is purifying the impure. He is perfecting the imperfect. He is smoothing off some of those rough edges. Do you know what? Some of that might hurt a bit. Might be challenging or painful or even confusing. The good news is that God knows what he is doing. And the very best thing we can do is to cooperate. You know, it could well be, it could very well be that the difficult circumstances that you are currently facing are perfectly designed to take you where you need to go. So picture number one is, is the Lord crafting each of us that piece of clay on that potter's wheel, turning it into something beautiful that looks just like Jesus. The second well-known picture, of course, is the, is the refiner's fire, the idea of the, the smoldering furnace and the smelting of ore. Malachi 3, verse 1. Look, I am sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant, whom you look for so eagerly, is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But who will be able to endure it when he comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he will be like a blazing fire that refines metal, or like a strong soap that bleaches clothes. Verse 3, he will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and silver so that they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. Now, some women were, were puzzling over this passage in their weekly Bible study. And so one of them offered to, to research the process of refining precious metals and get back to the group the following week. So the next morning, she called a local silversmith and made an appointment to watch him at work. She observed as he held a piece of silver over the fire, and it began to heat up. He explained that, that you might need to hold the silver right in the middle of the fire while the flames are hottest, 
in order to burn away all the impurities. And the woman imagined God holding us in such a hot spot. And then she thought again about the verse that says, he sits as a refiner and purifier of silver. And so she asked the silversmith if it was true that he had to sit there in front of the fire the whole time, all the way through the process. And the man confirmed that, that yes, he had to keep his eyes on the silver at all times. He explained that if the silver was left a moment too long in the flames, it would be destroyed. The woman sat quietly for a moment and then asked, how do you know when the silver is fully refined? He smiled at her and said, oh, that's easy. When I can see my image in it. Proverbs 17, verse 3, the crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and the Lord tests hearts. Psalm 66, verse 10, you have tested us, O God. You have purified us like silver. Verse 12, we went through fire and blood, but you brought us to a place of great abundance. Isaiah 48, verse 10, behold, I have refined you, but not with silver. I've tested you in the furnace of affliction. Anyone else here been tested in the furnace of affliction? 1 Peter 1 verse 7, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. So here's the reality of the refining process. The hotter the flame, the purer the product. If you don't melt it, you can't refine it. And you have to keep upping the temperature until all the impurities have been sieved away. How does God refine us? And the answer is numerous ways. Perhaps the main four would be one, through his word, two, on our knees, three, in relationship, tap the person yesterday and say, yeah, next to you and say, amen, right? And then the fourth one is through tests and trials. Hebrews 4 verse 12, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and intents and attitudes of the heart. Number one, through his word. Number two, on our knees. Psalm 139, 23. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, and I know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Have you ever prayed a crazy prayer like that one? Or Psalm 51, verse 10. David cried, create in me a pure heart. I wonder if he was thinking about the finest fire when he said that. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I, do you know what? I reckon he was thinking about the finest fire because right then, in the middle of Psalm 51, he was going absolutely right through it because of his own foolishness. So number one is through his word. Number two is on our knees. Number three is in relationship. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Some people have an interesting way of spurring you on. Have you noticed? 
And then Proverbs 27, 17, familiar verses. Iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And then the fourth one is through tests and trials. Already read it. 1 Peter 1, verse 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And ultimately, we have a choice. We can yield to the refining process or we can resist. We can receive his word or, or reject it. We can surrender on our knees to his transforming power or we can resist it. We can embrace the challenge of relationship or we can run from it. We can view tests and trials as a blessing that grows us or as a curse that threatens us. Ultimately, we can yield to that refining process or we can resist it. You know how it goes? We, we pray and we pray and we pray that God will change our circumstances. But that's not necessarily what God wants to change. What God wants to change is you. And if you're trying to fix everything that's happening around you, you're probably fighting the wrong battle. Because the reality is, if you will let him, if you will let him, God will skillfully use those circumstances, good, bad, and ugly, to transform you into the image of his son. Little quote I saw on Twitter this week that got my attention. Terry Virgo, if you've heard of him, he said the disciples didn't drift into a storm. Jesus sent them there. Jesus didn't wander into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit led him there. Don't interpret your challenging circumstances as God's indifference or carelessness. God orders events on purpose, with purpose, he trains us for battle. I like that. Okay, so I have, I have some leading questions, four leading questions that I reckon you might want to take to the Lord this evening as we spend a bit of time in meditation, reflection, response at the culmination of this message. So four questions. I apologize, they are probably personal. What's the old line? If I tread on your feet, then I will pray for you afterwards at the end for healing. Okay, so question number one. I think these are really good questions. What is the Lord currently doing in your life? And are you cooperating? That's a big question, isn't it? What, what is the Lord currently doing and are you cooperating? I could ask you like this. Is your character being repeatedly tested in a certain area? If it is, that is probably not an accident. 
And does what you are looking, what you are going through right now, look a little bit different when you view it through the lens of a lump of clay on the potter's wheel? Maybe it looks a little bit different in that light. And you know, I reckon it helps if, if you can look back at the difficult times in your life and see in retrospect how God was using them to refine you. So question number one, what is the Lord currently doing in your heart and are you cooperating? That was a gentle one. They're going to get harder. Question number two, what does God still need to do in your heart and are you brave enough to ask him? What does God still need to do? I wrote in my notes, I suspect you know. Here are some clues. If it makes you prickle, if you keep putting it off, if it makes you change the subject really quickly, then God still needs to work in that area. And here's an interesting thought for you. Is your openness to the Lord's refining work directly proportional to his ability to use you for his purposes? Question mark. You know, one says question mark and smiles at you. You know what that means, don't you? I'm going to read that again. Is your openness, your willingness, your yieldedness to the Lord's refining work in your life, on your character, in your heart, is that directly proportional to his ability to use you for his purposes? Yes, is the answer. What does God still need to do? And are you brave enough to invite him in? And the answer is, of course, you're brave. I can see it in your eyes. I can see the fire. In which case, when we come to response time later, you can invite him in. You never know what God will do. Little thought. You know, I wonder, if, is there a book, if there is a specific issue or challenge or problem or mountain or character trait that you are constantly battling with that God seems to keep taking you back to over and over? I wonder, is there a book that someone could recommend that would help you to confront it to work your way through that issue? Good question. Question number three, turning the flames up a little hotter. Where are the no access signs posted and why? What are those deep and dark areas or wounds deep in your soul? Perhaps they're hidden or well masked. What are those areas that not even God is allowed to touch? I wonder, do you keep backing away from the fire? Every time it starts to get a little bit too hot, you withdraw or you quit or you run or you resist. And to help you with that one, I have another rhetorical question for you. What are the things in your life that are beyond God's power to refine? 
There are no areas that are beyond God's power to refine. There don't, there don't need to be any no-access signs. We can take him down, invite him in. And then question number four. Who is going to outweigh whom? You know, God in his grace will keep taking you there. But those words are deliberately chosen. It's, it's his grace that keeps taking you there. It may be hard. It may be uncomfortable. It may even be unpleasant. But God in his grace, because of his grace, because he has more than enough grace for you, will keep taking you there. And you know, God believes in you even more than you do. You know, I reckon it's, it's easy in life, and we all do it, to keep on, as the saying goes, circling round and round and round the same mountain, staring up to the summit. Wouldn't it be great to conquer this mountain? Wouldn't it be wonderful to see the view from the top? But we keep getting exhausted going round and round and around, circling the same mountain. And it goes something like this. You think it's the devil. He keeps taking me there. He keeps doing it. He keeps revealing this character trait. It's the devil. Or, or we think that the, the people are just out to get us. But you know, actually, the Lord wants to use that hot spot to refine our character. He wants to soften and open our hearts. He wants to remove that impediment to his work. You know, as we're saying on Sunday mornings, God wants us to be clothed with power. What are the things that are holding back, holding us back? God wants us to slowly unpick those. He wants to heal those. He wants to come in and fill those and redeem those and take those over so that you can rise up as a man and woman of God, clothed with power and change this world for his glory. And if we were in a Pentecostal church, that would have been a great chance for an amen. The Lord wants to use that hot spot to refine your character, to teach you to yield to his power. And here's the danger. The danger is you are unwittingly resisting his work. Here's a verse I love, James 4, verse 7. So humble yourselves before God. What a great thing to do. We can stop right there. That's part of the story. The second part of the verse says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, when you read that, it is so important that you get the right verb with the right noun in that sentence. I'm sorry if that takes you back to horrific English or Latin lessons from your school days. Do you know, God is the one you yield to. The devil is the one you resist. Be really, really, really careful. You don't get that the wrong way around. But the good news is, you can surrender yourself to it. You can pass through the fire. God will be with you. And you can come out the other end with that mountain conquered once and for all. Okay, I'll wrap this up and then I'll give you the opportunity to take those questions.
the Lord as we respond. You know, as we're saying in this series, the presence of God is where you do business with him. And it's where he does business with you. You know, much of the refining work is a process. It's gradual, sometimes painstaking, even painful. But you know what? There are suddenlies. There are aha moments. There are transforming encounters. You may have heard that wonderful expression, one word from God, one word can change your life forever. I'll tell you what my view is. My view is to give the Lord as many opportunities to work as is humanly possible. That means in his presence. That means through his word. That means on your knees in prayer. That means coming to the front in response time and getting on your knees over here or going and seeking ministry in prayer over here on this side. Convinced we need to give the Lord as many opportunities as we possibly can so he can do in us what he longs to do so ultimately he can do through us what he needs to do. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to kind of facilitate some of that. Now I'm going to ask the worship team if they wouldn't mind coming forward. That would be great. And um, I've given you some challenges. I'm just going to refresh those for you. And over the next little while, you might want to sing with the team. You might want to let them sing over you. You, you might want to come to the front. It's great, I think, to come to the front and with a kind of step of faith and say, God, I mean business tonight. You know, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm fed up with going around the same mountain. Lord, I get it. You're after that character trait. I, I realize I'm prepared to yield. Here I am. It may well be that you just love someone to pray through you, something with you tonight. And we've got a church full of people who can pray for you and pray with you. We've got a ministry team. We'd love to pray for you. So the four questions are, once again, what is the Lord currently doing? And are you cooperating? That's a great question. Number two, what does God still need to do? And are you brave enough to invite him in? Question number three, where are the no access signs posted and why? And then number four, who is going to outweigh whom? You know the line, you will never fight with God and win. Let's pray. Why don't you stand? Lord, we, we thank you that you love us just the way we are. That's the power of the gospel right there. You didn't wait for us to become perfect or to get it all sorted out. You, you met us. You came. You came. You stretched out. You died. You rose. But you love us so much that you don't want to leave us in the ditch or leave us in the pit or leave us in the dirt. You want to pick us up. You want to transform 
transform us. You want to breathe your breath into us. You want to transform us by the power of your word and the glory of your spirit. Lord, we're all on that journey somewhere. Some of us might be right in the middle of it, right the second. But we're so grateful that you are our Father. You are the potter. We are that clay that you are tenderly and skillfully and strategically molding. We want to say tonight, we trust you with that. We trust you with that. Come do it, Lord. Come do in my life, in my thoughts, in my heart, in my attitudes, in my relationships, whatever you need to do as the potter molds that clay. Sometimes it feels like that refiner's fire that gets hotter and hotter. But as that's happening, things are melting away. And the crowd is being removed and we are starting to shine. We're starting to become pure. We're starting to become beautiful. We're starting to become just like Jesus. Father, come do that in us. We've got a choice. We resist or we yield. And tonight we say, Lord, have your way. I'm going to take down the mask. I'm going to knock over the walls. I'm going to step out and say, God, come do it. So grateful that you are not a God with a big stick looking down from heaven to thwack us. You're a loving Father who embraces us and sweeps us up in his arms and wants to walk with us and wants to transform our lives. So wants to fill us with your love and to send us out. So Lord, we give you the next 15 minutes or so. Holy Spirit, come, we pray. Oh God, and do your work. We invite you to speak. Holy Spirit, we have open hearts and ears. Come speak to us, we pray, through words of knowledge, through, through prophetic words and encouragement. And Lord, as we pray for one another, we just pray that that healing, transforming vital power be made available tonight. Come Holy Spirit, come we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.